The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Have you ever noticed that some non-sellers are just fantastic sellers? It's always amazing to me when you find a CEO or a CMO or a COO who is an awesome seller. And I imagine there's probably a little trick to the trade. There's a little inside track on this. To explain it, Mark Hunter. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, it's good, good to be on your show. You know what? There really is no trick. It's people being people. And if you think about it, there's two traits that you've got to exhibit. That's that trait of the ability to listen. And it's the trait to put the other person first. Because if you think about it, what is that non-seller who sells so well? What are they doing? They have that ability to connect with the other person in a way that gets them to share with them information. You know, I, I always call it, 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 it's unlocking, unlocking the proprietary information. I've created a relationship with a person when they begin to share with me proprietary information. That's what that non-seller does. They, they just do it subconsciously. People don't even realize they're doing it because what are they doing? They have that ability to demonstrate a commitment to you and they do it in a manner that has them really creating this level of integrity and trust. I, okay, we throw those words around all over the place, integrity and trust. What is it about? It's about helping you to feel comfortable in me. You know, before we began this recording, what, what were we doing? We were exchanging ideas, exchanging thoughts. What were we doing? We were both demonstrating integrity and trust to each other, that when we did push the record button, we'd have something meaningful. All right, so listen, let's... Um... Let's go take a step back and let's talk about who non-sellers are that really need to be sellers. And, and actually, you know, I think a big piece of this whole discussion is they have to think about themselves in a little different way. And you can comment on that too. But who are some of the non-sellers that really need to be good sellers? Well, the non-sellers, let's go right to the top of the food chain. The CEO, the COO, the, the CIO, the, the CFO, anybody with that C who doesn't think they're in a sales position. They are non, they are sellers because look at the various stakeholder groups that they have to be really communicating with. The stakeholder groups anywhere from the employees to the vendors to the equity team that owns a company, the 
shareholders, to the customers, to the industry, to government regulators. There's so many different stakeholders that they have to be responsible to. So, you know, those people right there are non-sellers. But trust me, they do more to drive the value of the company, both the top line sales and the bottom line profits than probably any person who does have the word sales in their title. So they're, uh, what you're talking about is that they're, they're indirectly uh, moving money. They may not be moving the products of the company, but they're moving the company. They're moving the company because they're moving the culture. If you think about it, culture starts at the top in, in any organization culture. Now, this does not discount the person midway down through the organization says they don't have anything to do with culture. No, everybody, everybody contributes to culture. But the actual framework of it is created up on the, up on the upper uh, tiers, okay? So what does that do? That, that, that's this level of communication because at the end of the day, the only sustainable competitive advantage an organization has is its people. That's it. That's it. It's not the product. It's not the service. It's, not, it, it, it's the people. So if the people at the top of the food chain in these non-selling positions don't have a way to communicate and sell their vision in a way, because, ooh, what's the definition of sales? My definition of sales is the same as the definition for leadership. It's helping others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. Hmm, think about that. That's the role of the non-seller every day. Have you um, run into a company that's very successful where the C-level people, the non-sellers, don't sell. <laughs> they don't sit at the top of the food chain for long. They <laughs> may be at the top of the food chain because they've cornered some niche in the marketplace. They've got some, you know, unique proprietary operating system or something of that nature or some something, but they don't stay there forever. They do not. You, you cannot look at the history of corporate America and find a company that has stayed at the top of the food chain for a long, 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 long Hey, let's go and call out Facebook, okay? Mark Zuckerberg is not exactly a really good spokesperson, okay? I mean, he has stumbled and, and fallen all over the place. Uh, question, will they still be at the top of the food chain 10 or 15 years from now if he's still at the top? Well, you know, I'll tell you, I look at that guy and he seems to be pretty on the mark. He comes up with a lot of ideas. Uh, they're integrating products, they're buying companies. I mean, somebody is bringing those ideas to him and there's some vision at that company uh, that is causing this activity. There's well, some culture at that company that's working. I totally agree, but I think it's, it's the nature of the product, at, you know, the service, the vision that they've created at the time. You know, you go back and, and, and you read his op-ed piece that he recently wrote in the Wall Street Journal and it's a bastion of trivia. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I sit there and say, will they be at the top of the food chain 10 years from now? You know, go, go back, go back and take a look at somebody. Let, let, let's, use, let's use Microsoft as kind of a poster child. Steve Ballmer came in as the CEO and he was not exactly the greatest salesperson out there. He would say he was bombastically great in sales, but look at what, look at what happened to them. And now Satya Nadella comes in as the CEO much more externally focused, much more really sales focused. Look at the turnaround in the organization. The turnaround didn't happen because of sales specifically. It happened because he revised their business model and put them into a cloud mode 
and then they sold. You see, you can have a product that gets tired and old and have the best salespeople in the world and they can't sell it. So there's a strategic thing. I mean, everybody's got to be working together, right? Right, right. And that's, and that's, uh, that's what Satya did. He, he was able to, to refashion the business model, move it to the cloud, and be able to sell that concept and have people buy into it and believe it and run with it. You know, if, 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 if you think about, um, it, let's take a look, let's take a look at Netflix a few years ago. And remember when Reed Hastings, he came out and he made that comment, uh, we're moving to the cloud, you know, the disc is going away, you know, it's, it's going to be cloud. And boy, you, 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 you'd think the, the, the earth had, um, opened up and swallowed all, all of his brain cells live. But wow, he was selling a concept that was several years ahead of its time. And look at where Netflix is today. Well, you know, the thing is that um, to those of us that are not in that business, that, that was an, an unbelievable thing, the, the idea of it. But people who were in that industry, that they got it, they could see it was possible. Um, and the word see is a very important word because the word see is what vision is all about. And he created a vision. He sold the vision. He convinced people that that vision was going to be a good vision. And then he got everybody marching in the same direction. I call that an organizational bullseye where you put a dot on the wall and people start marching toward it. You've got a whole program that gets companies, whether there's 10,000 people or 10, you can always tell when they're marching toward a bullseye if somebody's out of line and they're not marching in the right direction. So uh, absolutely, this whole vision thing, uh, even if it's very futuristic, is really important. Oh, that, that's so true because I, I don't think any leader remains a leader for long if they can't create, can't create the vision. I, two examples I love to use in my talks is I use Winston Churchill and General Dwight D. Eisenhower. And you think about them. Uh, what was General Dwight D. Eisenhower? He was charged with the Battle of Normandy. I mean, I mean, I mean, D-Day, tremendous, tremendous. Uh, and, and he wrote a letter to the troops that they received the night before. And what was he doing? He was selling a vision, even though many of them were not going to come home again. Winston Churchill, uh, every night, every day, bombs are falling on the city of London. And Winston Churchill takes to, to the radio to try to calm the citizens of, of London, that life would be okay. And yet they're, 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 they're listening to these bombs falling out outside their windows. And yet what was he also doing? He was casting a leadership with the allied forces and you know, everyone else. So, I mean, th this whole uh, role of the non-selling leader is really non-existent because you can't be a leader without selling. So listen, is there, is there a way, I mean, it sounds like uh, they're selling but they're not dragging a bag with them, knocking on doors. So is there, is there a way to phrase that uh, differently for, so we can distinguish those things or, you know, I mean, look, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. hundred percent. Is there a way to language it different though? Well, I, I, you know, this is what's funny. I, I am so immersed in, in sales that I don't want to, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so passionate about, you know, it's why I, I, I've trademarked the name, the sales hunter. Because uh, I'm so passionate about sales, so I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure if there is. I'm probably not the right person uh, <laughs> to to ask that because I'm 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 so passionate about sales because I I, I truly I tr if, if you go back to that definition I was talking about, you know, sales and leadership definitions the same. Stop others see and achieve 
what they did not think was possible. Let, let, me, let, me, put, let me put a spin on this. There's a, there's a phrase I love to use that uh, to be a successful leader, you need to have a giant ego. And you have what? A giant ego. Oh. Now, now, this is what's funny. People will sit there, and, and I love sharing this with audiences, and, and, and you see some of these people, and they, they like, you can just watch them. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I go, and I'm not talking ego what you're thinking. I'm talking ego in terms of E-G-O, and that's empowering greater outcomes. Stop and think about that. Isn't this what the role of that senior leader is to be doing? It's to empower greater outcomes. Yeah. In, I, I don't care who the, who the stakeholder is. I don't care who the audience is. Yeah, a lot of people don't know how to do that. You know, the whole concept of empowerment and getting other people to do things is hard. You know, I think of selling the most basic way. I think that selling is about getting somebody to say yes. Somebody to want to move. I mean, just in the most basic terms, your goal is to get somebody to say yes. A little baby wants to get the, the, the mama to bring it milk or, you know, the, have the parents change the diaper, whatever needs to happen. Uh, you know, as you get older, uh, you know, you need to... Um, have other things happen in your life and you learn how to do that. But for some reason, as we get a little older, teenage and beyond, uh, you know, the idea of asking somebody to do something gets a little harder, especially if they didn't wake up in the morning knowing that they needed to solve whatever problem you're going to address. So, you know, I mean, listen, the concept of the um, CFO, the CEO, the people who are on the front lines, going to Wall Street, asking for money, telling the, uh, the world how great their companies are, uh, whether you have to go to a bank and ask for a loan, you have to be able to tell people that you've got a great company that's going to be more great tomorrow than it is today. And you have to tell them why that's so. And then you go back and you tell the troops at the company, yeah. go make what I just promised uh, come true. So, you know, the way I think about it is that the CEO's job is to, you know, tell everybody how great the company is. And then the rest of the company's job is to make good on the CEO's promises. Well, you know, I mean, it, again, it comes down to the whole vision thing. Uh, I was with a company, and I will not say will not say the name of the company. And it, it was, and I was listening to the CEO speak. CEO has been in place for this company for a couple of years, and they're just shy of a billion dollars in sales. Publicly traded company, and he's been in the role for a couple of years, and they've dramatically changed company. And he said. I am, I am going to say right now, right here, that in four years will be a two and a half billion dollar company. And there was no shock and awe as I was looking out over this audience of a thousand people. There was no shock and awe. They, they totally believed it. They totally were, you know, yeah, yeah. Because the CEO had done such a good job of laying out his vision in steps, over the previous couple of years, he's been in a position that they're now at a billion, stable billion, that they're going to grow to two and a half billion. And I think that that's the, the mark of a great leader, the, great, the mark of a great non-seller, if we want to continue to use that term, is the ability to create change when people don't even realize change is happening because they've bought into it so much. It just, it just happens. It just, I mean, you know, as this CEO said that, I mean, I, I watched this audience. They just like, yep, yep, we're there. And I talked to a number of the breakers. Oh, yeah, there, there's no doubt. In fact, I, I think we're actually going to beat that. I think we're going to be there. Well, you know, one of, one of the problems that I notice, uh, you know, is a lot of times goals are put out by CPA type personalities where they'll say, last year we did a billion, this year we're doing a billion two. They don't tell you how we're going to get to a billion two, just, okay, 
I made a spreadsheet and I put the number a billion two in there, so that's the number. And that's not realistic for people who are in the field selling. You know, you have to say, okay, listen, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna approve the product, the product's gonna have some new features, the product is gonna have this price, we're gonna have this many sales calls, we're gonna do this much stuff, we're gonna have all this support, all these things are gonna happen, and so we should be able to do more. And I think a lot of times, uh, people rely on numbers in a funny way. And they, they kind of manipulate numbers instead of providing tools. And that's why I talk about being rational so much, is that you have to have good rationale behind all of your activity. Oh, I, I think you, you, you hit on something huge, so important there because you're right. I mean, anybody can take a trend line or any number and just, oh, this is what we're going to do. This going. And, and if that were the case, we'd all be billionaires by the end of the year. Because we just said, we're going to do, we're going to, you know, each of us are going to have a net worth of a billion dollars by one year from now. <laughs> no. What are the steps? And I think that's the difference between the true leader. The true leader not only casts the vision, but then helps people understand what are the steps behind it. If you think about it, isn't this what a salesperson is all about? A, a, a typical salesperson goes out and sells something and, and, and I don't care if it's a box. I don't care if it's a concept. I don't care what it is. They have to ultimately sell what's the outcome. Well, what are the steps that that customer's got to go through, see? So really, the, these things are so closely aligned. Uh, but it comes back to what we talked about initially right at the top, trust and integrity. Because if, if you tell me something, see, if, if you tell me that we're going to do X amount, and this is what I saw with the CEO, he was sitting there, we're going to go from billion to 2.5 in four years. And there was no shock and awe because he's developed this level of trust and integrity. And that trust and integrity flowed down through his organization, his, his department. Well, they, they, must, they must trust that he's going to give them the tools and the resources to make it happen. Right. He's not going to expect the same 500 people to do three times more work. Right. It, somehow or another, there's going to be more tools, more access, more something is going to be made available that will make this work. And I, I just find that so often that there just there isn't a plan. Uh, they just somebody will blurt something out, and it really just doesn't work. And well, you know what's interesting is I, I think sometimes there's a plan, but it's in 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 the head of the CEO. And the CEO doesn't know how to articulate it. Hasn't taken the time to articulate it. Yeah. Well, and remember, we all process information at different levels. We all process at different rates. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that I think about is a concept that I call everybody sells. And everybody sells means that uh, you're either selling in an organization or you're anti-selling. And that, that includes the janitor. It includes the window washers. You know, it includes the people at Disneyland who sweep up trash. You know, if they're not nice and friendly, somebody's going to have a bad experience at the park. So those people are either positive influences on the outcome and the trend and the trajectory of the company, or they're negative influences, they're a drag on it. And I think that there's not enough uh, recognition given to all levels at the company. We're talking about at the highest level, but there's a lot of non-sellers lower in the company that have a lot to do with whether somebody has a good experience. That could be customer service, it could be janitorial, it could be maintenance, it could be the kitchen staff, it could be anybody. If you have a negative experience, you go in a bathroom at a restaurant and it's not clean, uh, that's a negative experience and you might not wanna go back there. So uh, they can have the best friggin' hamburger in the world, but you don't wanna go back because the bathrooms aren't clean there. That you, you, you hit something because the customer doesn't interface with the CEO, you know, 
you know, the customer interfaces with that janitor, the customer in interfaces. I remember about 20 years ago or so, and, 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 I, and I still remember it still stands out to this day, and I'll call out the company's name, H-E-B. It's a grocery store chain yeah. in the San Antonio area. And I remember I was down there doing some work with a couple companies, and we were talking with them. And I remember walking through the stores, and no matter who I talked to, I asked them, I said, well, what, what's the objective here at H-E-B? What's the mission? Every person I spoke to, whether it be in produce, whether it be a kid just stock in the aisle, whether it be a store manager, they all could articulate the vision and the mission of the company. Wow. Wow is right. Wow. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and if you live in San Antonio, you, you live in that area of Texas, HEB is like a, a store that you worship because their employees are just so out of this world. Wow. Yeah. Mm. You know, that's a, that, that brings up another thing. Uh, I think that great companies, great successful selling companies, they have a mantra of some kind where they all, again, it goes back to the organizational bullseye. They're all pointing in the same direction, staring at a common dot on the wall. They all understand something and they all get what they're there to do. And they understand how their job affects that. And, and when, they're, when they're a positive impact on customers, they're contributing to the sales effort because happy customers want to spend more money. They want to come back and repeat the cycle. So, you know, we have to really kind of broaden the, uh, the description of what sales is because the way we're thinking about it in a certain way uh, for a lot of business people is, is a little narrow, a little limiting. And if we talked about it at the top that those people are selling concepts and vision, but at the bottom, people are selling something too. Oh, and, and see, the whole sales world also involves all of your customers, just like what you just described, because in this social media hyper communication frenzied world, uh, you know, the restaurant lives and dies by a Yelp review, but so too does, so too does Oracle, so too does, does Salesforce, so too does every other company out there. Uh, because not, not necessarily by Yelp, but what I'm saying is because all it takes is, is comments of, of somebody. So, I mean, every person out there must be seen as a potential ambassador for your organization. And if you don't view them as such, and if you don't value them as such, um, you, you run the risk of absolutely finding yourself on the short end of the stick. Ronald Reagan, when he was president, made, made the comment, he said, when the economy goes bad, it's called a recession. When you lose your job, it's called a depression. <laughs> you know, right? Right? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and you stop and think about that. See, because it comes down to it's, it's how do I feel? How is it impacting me? So that customer, I, I can't remember what it was. I, I was, I was, um, looking at, at um, some company and I was on the internet the other day and I was looking at reviews. It was a software company and they had all these glowing reviews, but there was one review that was just flat out negative. It was, it was a one star review. It was like, wow, wow. Well, clearly this, this company, this company was a B2B company. It had some sort of a bad experience and somebody sure wanted to let the world know. Hmm. Yeah. What kind of impact does that have? It, you know what? It, um, it obviously uh, was powerful enough that it caused you to remember it. I bet yeah. you don't remember any of the positive ones. I, you know what? It, that, see, that's so true because <laughs> all the other reviews were positive, but my eyes automatically went to this one, one, one review. Yeah. And, and it was a shout out to customers. It was a shout out to vendors. 
Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, this, this kind of really makes me think, you know, the, the whole concept of selling, uh, we are looking for some other way to language it. But the truth is that every person in an organization is a brand ambassador. Kind of, kind of what you were saying a little yeah, I, yeah. about the same. And, and everybody who works in a company needs to think of themselves as a brand ambassador. That's a form of selling. You know, you're selling the organization. You're not necessarily selling the products with a bag and an, a pad of order, order uh, you know, papers and things. Like, but, you know, you're, you're selling what the company is and what it's about and what its promises to the marketplace. So that's a really, that's a significant shift for a lot of companies that they would be well to uh, adopt. And that culture, that can only come from the top. That can only come from the top. Howard Schultz does not sell one cup of coffee, but every morning, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 baristas at a Starbucks do. Yeah. But Howard Schultz, okay, he's no longer the CEO there. But he, know, created, but he, a, he created a framework that made it possible for these people to right. do what they do. And, and they're well compensated right. for the work that they right. do, I understand. Right. He created an ecosystem. And, and if you think about it, companies view themselves as, okay, I'm going to create this ecosystem. But I don't think CEOs and senior level people give enough um, rationale to the idea of creating an ecosystem of your customer ambassadors. These are your frontline secondary employees. These are your immediate customers. What's that ecosystem look like? How are they interacting? How yeah, you know, are they dealing with each other? When you stop and you think about it, it's, it's really, I think it's an epidemic in our country uh, that the people at the bottom are treated as throwaways, that they don't matter, that we can get, listen, if you don't like sweeping the floor, we'll get somebody else. But you know, that is just the worst attitude because the truth is that person is exactly who's going to bump into the customer who's eating a hamburger because they're the ones that empty the trash can. And if they have a crummy attitude, everybody in the whole restaurant is going to know it because the truth is they're probably not going to sweep the table off. Uh, they'll let the dishes linger there for a while. Uh, or maybe they don't wipe all the ketchup off. They, they just do the minimal job that they can do. And, and you know, that might have more impact than the cook who wraps the burger and makes it just right the way the person wants it. Right. Right. And, 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 and the challenge, the challenge we have is, is in so many industries, at the senior level and the shareholder, the finance, you know, the, the, the fiduciary people blow this off. You know, the airline industry, it's an oligopoly. Uh, banking industry, oligopoly, ah, going away because of FinTech, okay? But now let's, let's look at the airline industry. A couple of years ago, there was a guy drug off an airline. I won't say the company's name. Everybody yeah, we, we all know what it is. Right, <laughs> but you know what? Hmm, it didn't hurt their earnings once whatsoever because there's an oligopoly in the airline in industry. It probably also didn't really change their traveler profile either. I mean, everybody, everybody you know, here's the thing. Uh, and this is a very sad thing, but it's the reality of how our country works. Uh, you know, people will say, gee, we, uh, we got to protect the little guy. We need to shop at little stores. But the little store uh, doesn't get the best pricing. So people don't go to that store. Because the That's truth, right. They really want a low price. And so when those airlines do the things that you're talking about and everybody says, oh, that was terrible. I'm going to a different airline. The truth is uh, they're not going to another airline because it doesn't have the routes they want. It doesn't have the, uh, the pricing they want. It doesn't have the seat configuration they want, you know, whatever the reason is. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of talk and uh, that's what social media does. It lets people blow off a lot of steam. But the truth is very, very few people have the integrity to follow through. Right. Uh, with right. their concerns. Right. Flip side is, flip side is, long-term, 
every industry gets disrupted. Now let's, we're looking at a 30, 40 year cycle. Look at the taxi cab industry. I mean, for years and years, they were one of the top lobbyists of any city council in every major city in the country. And of course they got disrupted by way of Uber, um, hotel industry to a lesser degree with Airbnb, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, the traditional banking industry is being totally disrupted by FinTech. I mean, why do I need a bank? Why do I need a bank? I, I don't need this traditional brick and mortar bank. Um, so again, it, it's, uh, we're, we're going way off on a tangent here, but, but if you stop and think about it, we're all driven by quarterly earnings. Well, and that's why no corporations that that's at the, at the top there is, and there's not enough correlation between the customer service and the end sales product. Right. The truth is that there is a lot of correlation, uh, but we don't measure it properly. You know, accounting is a precise science and it measures certain kinds of things and it writes down certain kinds of things in a certain way, but there's a lot of things that accounting doesn't measure. It doesn't measure uh, satisfaction. It doesn't measure lost opportunities, by the way. So you, your salesperson goes out there, uh, doesn't sell three things, he sells one thing, and that's what they write down. But they don't write down the three that he didn't get. And so a lot of that data never gets recorded. Now, maybe software is doing a better job than it used to do, but it doesn't show up in a place where the people who really need to look at it always see it. And if you stop and think about it, that, that's what I love to say. If, if I'm upset my job, I, I, I can take it out on customers very quickly. I can take it out on other people. That immediately translates. But now, how do you measure that on the balance sheet? You don't. Because human capital is not measured. You know, our, our you know, FASB and, you know, I, I, you know, I love our accounting system, but, but yeah, I don't love it because it doesn't understand human capital. It doesn't understand what is the real equity. Right. That's right. But, so, that's a, uh, there, that's there a, is a, a, that's a separate podcast. <laughs> there is a line, uh, you know, on the balance sheet for intangibles, but it's, uh, it doesn't really make its way there. And right. a lot of shortcomings in accounting and we have to really do a better job. But so let's just, let's just finish up talking about uh, these indirect sellers. Cause again, everybody sells. And if you're not selling, you're anti-selling, you're doing one of the two, you're either moving the company forward or you're moving the company backward, you know, repelling away from customers. So what are things that non-traditional sellers, the people, let's say, in the C-suite environment, what can they do to better connect with the people that they need to get to say yes? I, I think it comes down to, first of all, understanding what are the true goals and the needs of the people you interface with. And for the C-suite... Okay, so wait a second. Look, just, just to clarify, right. it's not what are my goals, it's, it's what's their goal. What are their goals? Okay, are their goals? okay their so you got to think about the other and, side, the person on the other side of the table. If we had time, I could share with you examples of CEOs I've worked with who get it and CEOs who do not get it. Okay. Uh, you know, but so that, that's, but what, because what does that come down to? It comes down, do you place the value of the person above? I, I went to work for a company years ago and the CEO, thank goodness he was retiring, uh, said, if you, if, if, if you want benefits, go to work for the post office. He also said, we hire you to do a job. When that job is completed, you're free to quit the company because he placed no value in people. See, if you don't place value, comp, and, and, and I really do a shout out for millennials. Millennials are looking for, what, what are they looking for? They're looking for transparency and authenticity in who they choose to follow. Transparency and authenticity. If you can't demonstrate both those, and if you need a definition of that, 
guess what? You're not capable of delivering that. And, and I get very adamant because millennials today want to have a level of integrity in the organization that they choose. And if you have to sit there and say, oh, we're, we're full of integrity. Oh, we do this liar, liar, pants on fire. If you, if you got to say it, you don't have it. Right. So that's yeah. right. That, that's why when I say focus, people let's stay focused just as we wind yeah. up. Yeah. What are some things that people who are not selling every single day, carrying a bag, doing whatever they do all day long, some of these indirect sellers, what are things yeah. that they can do to make them better sellers? Look at your top five stakeholders. Who are your top five stakeholders? Maybe a, maybe a company, maybe a vendor, maybe an employee group, whatever. What are their mission? What is their mission? What is their objective? Ask yourself, how can I help them achieve their mission, their objective? Because in the old, in the old words of Zig Ziglar, best way for me to achieve my goals is to help you achieve your goals. Now, I, I'm not going to cut to the chase, say I'm going to help them achieve their goals. I want to understand what their goals are. Because if I understand what their goals are, then I'm going to understand better how I need to communicate and how I need to listen. Second, I've got to be able to communicate in a way that allows you to understand what is the vision. And I want to ask, this is what I, I tell CEOs I'm working with, ask people, hey, what do you see as the vision of the company? Have them articulate back to you what they see is the vision. And don't get shocked if their vision is different than what you, what you want it to be. This means you have work to do. This means you have communication. So I always say, ask them what they feel. And then that's going to help you in terms. Third piece, third piece that I say is this, simply this. Are you one of the better parts of every person's day you come in contact with? Are you one of the better parts? If you can be one of the better parts, you don't want to be the best part, leave that for their significant other. <laughs> but if you can just be one of the better parts, you know, you know, their day, then guess what? You will have earned the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to come back and communicate with that person again. What does that do? That allows you to create a culture. Culture drives top line, drives the bottom line. You know, it also... Um... It, it does it because it creates an environment where people want to work with you. Right. It creates an environment where they like you. Uh, they look forward to being with you. They look forward to getting feedback from you. They learn from you. And, and I don't care if you're selling products, services. It doesn't matter what you're selling. Uh, there's always something that somebody needs to learn from each of us. And, and we have to learn to be resources for one another. And being a resource as a salesperson is really powerful. I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, just doesn't happen every day. You you must see it all, all day long. That it just oh yeah, happen. yeah. So, say sales is not a solo activity. Sales is a team sport. And if you think about it, the most successful CEOs have created a strong team around them, and that team goes out and executes. And that team has a team. That team has a team. That team has a team. And 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 that that's how we really create a more significant outcome. Because remember, the definition of ego is empowering greater outcomes. So I want to empower greater outcomes in you, Joel Block. I want to empower greater outcomes in every person I come in contact with. Well, listen, that's, uh, that's just awesome. And, and with that, we'll conclude the show. Mark's uh, contact information is in the show notes. It's uh, available. Mark's a keynote speaker. He's an advisor to companies. And he's a, a wonderfully nice guy. And uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Hey, thank you. 
You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joe Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.